0: Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our latest Generation podcast. And uh, I haven't gone far from a guest today, although we're still in lockdown. So again, apologising for the sound quality. With me today are Sharon Dickens and Natasha Davidson. Um, Sharon and Natasha work for 20 Schemes. Um, uh, they also attach to Nidrae Community Church which is a church and a housing scheme in Edinburgh and Scotland. 20, the aim of 20 schemes is really, really simple. It is bringing the light of the gospel to Scotland's schemes through church planting and revitalisation. For those of you sort of out with Scotland, a scheme is just a large housing project, um, often with social housing and there are many of them in Scotland. They started to build around the 1920s and they really boomed after the Second World War. Enough of me. Girls, tell us your story. How did you get into this?
1: Um, so um, my name's Sharon and uh, I have um, been on staff at Nidri for, well, I think about 11 years, probably more than 11 years, but I've been a member there about 15 years um, so originally I was the the, the women's worker at Nidri Community Church. Um, and now I'm the director of women's ministries for Twenty Schemes. So I've been there for a while.
0: Excellent. How is it you became a Christian?
1: Um I was say very young. <laughs> I was 17. And my boyfriend at the time wanted a relationship with his estranged dad. Um when I uh, when we went to meet them, they'd just become born-again Christians and I thought they were the freakiest people that hmm. I ever met. Um, but they used to uh, go for fellowship on a um, Thursday night. They'd go for Bible study. Uh, we'd babysit their six kids, and then they'd come back and tell us about um, Jesus every Thursday night. So eventually my boyfriend got saved, and then finally um, myself. So it was a, a very long time ago, but it was traumatic when it happened.
0: Excellent. And Natasha, what's your story?
2: Um, so I've been a Christian for eight years. Um, I grew up in Nidri. Um, And then got saved through um, meeting the Christians at Nidri Community Church. um, And very shortly after getting saved, um, they asked me to go and internship for them. And now I work there full time.
0: Right. Natasha, so you were raised in in Nidri. Were your people from Nidri as well?
2: Yeah.
0: Is is there a lot of sort of kinships in
2: the scheme? Is there a lot of what? Sorry,
0: well, like, like kinships. Like, uh, is there a bit of a sense of community? There are several generations of midri people live there?
2: Um, yeah. So for so on my on my dad's side, um, his would go back at least two or three generations. Right. Um, okay. Not so much. Um, my mum's from originally from Perth.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's interesting. And that's
2: so the so standard. Yeah, that's standard for a lot of families, like three, four, maybe even five generations of living in Nidri. You don't tend to move very far.
0: Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of the Edinburgh schemes are relocations. You know, I think Nidri folk came from St Leonards, folk in the Inch originally came from the top of Leith Walk. And it's almost as if that community is retained in the scheme.
2: Yeah. I think so, yeah. Like, it, it wouldn't be uncommon for, um, like, you walking down a street and several gen- generations living on that same street. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Is there a sense of community?
2: Um, it's definitely changing over the years. So when I was growing up, there was a very strong sense of community. There was very um, a very strong sense of, um, it was just people from Nidri that came into Nidri. Um, so you, you knew everyone you you know everyone knew who you were and what family you were attached to and I do think that's changing as they um, build these new houses and um, there's different different people moving in um, who are not necessarily from Nidri or have any other ties to Nidri um, but certainly it's changing as I as I get older. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so we're in lockdown just now in Scotland. It's really pretty tough. You're only allowed to go out once a day for exercise. A lot of the shops have been closed down. Gareth, uh, tell us, how has Community Church cope through this?
1: Um, I mean, we're coping with most churches on a day-to-day basis. Um, Bible studies done over Zoom. Um, church on a Sunday is done over... Uh, um, Facebook link, um, a live stream, in, and um, our elders have split us into um, small um, pastoral groups that we do WhatsApp and Bible studies uh, on a regular basis. But obviously our engagement with the, the community has um, changed greatly because um can't be in people's lives in the same way uh, that we have been previously, but we are still in people's lives. Um, and in some new ways, um, particularly some of the stuff that Tash has been doing. Um, It'd be good for you to explain, Tash, the stuff that you've been doing with um, Bridgend and how we've been using that to um,
2: get um, alongside some of the people in our community. Sure. Um, So one of our biggest biggest responses has been um, delivering meals to people who are in isolation, who can't leave the house um, at all. So we um, have partnered with an organisation Organization uh, just quite close by us called Bridge End Farm, and at the moment they're providing three meals a day for people. And so we collect them in the morning from those guys, and then we deliver them um, every single day. So we're seven days a week at the moment doing the meals. Um, And for us to be intentional, we've tried to keep the same people delivering to the same home so that relationships are being built up, and um, people are getting to know people and. For us, probably 90% of the people that we're visiting delivering food are people that we didn't have contact with before. Um, And these referrals have come from the school, um, the local medical center, um, local social work department, um, other community link workers. So they're all people and organizations that we um, didn't know before. So it's been a really unique time for us evangelistically to meet more people in the community. But also just there's been a, a really sweet way of getting alongside people because people are very scared, they're very anxious, um, and they're asking lots of um but, you know, the big questions of life. Um and so for us as a church it's been um yeah, just really sweet to just share the gospel with them and really get to know them and pray with them um and get alongside them and we're also doing a lot of food parcels to people in need um, so either people have maybe lost jobs or are just financially struggling or that they would normally have the assistance of food banks or or whatever but obviously they can't, can't get out right now so we're delivering food packages, we're picking up prescriptions for people and we're doing people's daily, uh, weekly shopping for them um, and so yeah there's uh, lots of various different things happening.
0: Mm -hmm. is this a a kind of new way of doing things Uh, you guys would you be involved in this kind of of social ministry in the past or is Um, is this a a kind of new approach
1: it's definitely so we would have done similar stuff like this before but in a very different Mm -hmm. way so Mm -hmm. we would um, it depends on who it was so if you were spending time with someone in the community you may drive them and go with them um, to the food bank, but we wouldn't necessarily have a food bank of our own. Um, It changes the dynamic of the relationship if you suddenly become the service provider. And so for us, we would um, partner with agencies that were um, putting on particular types of services, but we would um, maintain the relationship that we had. And so we would help assist um, all those things before. Again, it's different for people who are part of our members and regular people in our communities and we would help in different different ways. Um, but yeah, this is um, it has been a different way for us um, to be um, so involved in this sort of social direction. But it's been so exciting because not only the impact of the person that you deliver the door to, but their extended family has been opened up to um, us in the gospel as well, particularly if they're older. Um, so I delivered a parcel to one of my older neighbours. Um, and it's been great because I chat with her every day for about twenty minutes. But when there was a, a when there's there's been an issue, what it's done is it's um, it opened up an avenue into her family also, and so they see the church in a new light. Um, um, they see it as a uh, um, not only just a somewhere that you can be told about God, but actually they see that it's been ref- we've been reflected well in this, which is good, because then we get gospel opportunity with those that we're meeting, but also their family. So, yeah, we would have done stuff like this before, but we would have done it in a much uh, a more a different way um, than we're doing it now. So needs must, really.
0: Yeah, tell me a wee bit about the scheme. I mean... Uh, if you look at the figures, I think Nidri's number four in the Multiple Deprivation Index. However, you know, would it be true to say that, you know, not everybody in the scheme has got an addiction issue? Not everybody uh, is, is, is deprived. Presumably there's a variety. Tell me about the sort of
1: focus. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, we're very different um, five years ago than we are um, today, so... Um yeah, there would be a high proportion of crime. We have um a high proportion of, so people die at a very young age. And um, one of our um local uh um undertakers suggested that the average age in Nidri is forty six. And so I mean that doesn't happen without there being issues. Um, high high drugs, um and there's social deprivation. But actually, even amongst that, there's a lot of really positive things. My, my community is very, um, we are very family-oriented. They do take care of each other. Um, if there is a stranger um, in our community, they would be spotted really quickly. And so that brings with that an element of safety. But also, um, they're very musical. Um, they... Um, I know many people that have taught themselves uh, guitar, write their own songs. Um, Predominantly over the last five years, we would have been significantly, I mean, we would have been far less uh, multicultural than we are now. So we are seeing a change in our community. We have an increase of, um, um, we've got a Brazilian community, a Polish community. We've got um, an African community that started moving into Nidre, and we also ha- are going through a process of being um, regenerated, and so we have uh, some new housing that's going up that most of us can't afford, um, and it's bringing with it a, a first-time buyer, small family, um, middle-class suburbia feel with it, um, which is changing the dynamic of our community. And so, I mean, we we are constantly changing and evolving. Um, and probably in their next um, deprivation index, we won't be four or six. We probably will be um, higher up the chain. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the elements of um, the original scheme are still not there, because they're They're just in smaller pockets.
0: Right. So you've gone online for services. So have you got any idea of what the numbers are engaging with that?
1: To, to be fair I haven't asked. Um I do know that we've been doing an evangelistic bible study on um a Tuesday night and uh, the uptake for that has been really encouraging. Not just the the guys that have been attending um but also those that that um have listened and reviewed afterwards. Um, so I I don't know the answer to, to your question Tash do you know how many are signing in on Sunday?
2: Um I don't um the last time I heard which was about Three weeks ago, that there was at least um, so on on a normal Sunday we have about a hundred and twenty, and I think John, our tech guy, was saying that they're seeing at least um, I think it was sixty or eighty new ins Six to eighty
0: new ones, above and beyond yes, your so
2: normal. Like the, the amount of devices that being streamed on would be yes, like an extra yes. uh, or something. But um, and it's been cool because like we've been able to send the link. Um, so for me, um, like being able to send it to people that, I, that wouldn't normally attend church um, and they've been listening to it and being challenged and, you know, so they've maybe um, had questions before, but they wouldn't ever dream of coming to a church service. And so you're able to give them it and they can listen to it in their, at their house and then ask questions. And um, so it's been um, really cool to, to, to be able to do that and to see, to see them respond.
1: Great. Yeah, I would say the same. That's been helpful for us. Even my family, who are not Christians, have been watching some of the service after after it's happened and asking questions. It has been encouraging.
0: Mm-hmm. A, a lot of folk are saying, uh, you know, poverty disenfranchises disenfranchises people because they don't have access to uh, computers and phones mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, what's What's the story in Midre? I.
1: Uh-huh think that most people have got access to um some form of internet um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Would you say- um, so, yeah so I mean for us one of the reasons we like we haven't um put our youth group online um, partly for that reason that um we don't want to exclude those that don't have access um but I would agree with shaba that most the majority at least um would have access to a phone and some form of internet, whether they can afford Stream, or whether they can afford to, you know, they don't maybe don't have large data packages, or, or something like that. And I do know lots of them don't don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah.
0: Now I know that the schemes are traditionally, you know, what they call matriarchal societies. I was brought up in a scheme in Paisley Fogbar, and certainly there was very very strong women there. Uh, I've read also in your own material, folk would say uh, women are really significant in in the community. Could you girls maybe unpack that a wee bit and talk about the women's role in a traditional Scottish scheme?
1: Um, It's quite hard to unpack um, and generalise when um, it's such a diverse area. I mean, even if you just look at the stats, probably about 50% of the average scheme... Would be um single parent families uh, the majority of those, although not all of them would be uh, would be women that would be running those families and um, so they tend to be um historically um even uh, decades ago um they tend to be uh, very matriarchal strong women um running households uh dealing with all the decisions uh, not because um they they have some sort of feminist agenda going on. But the reality is most of them just have no choice. Um, a lot of the guys um, are, are absent from their lives and even the ones that um, are there sometimes um, aren't stepping up to the mark. But again, uh, they don't need to be from a screen for, for that to happen. But yeah, they do have a tendency to be uh, strong women. Um, in some cases, dealing with some really complex issues. And a lot of the women we spend time with would be uh, struggling with um, some form of um, addiction or previous um, abuse or dysfunctional family, um, mixed in with um, other health issues. So there's there's a lot going on for for the women in our schemes. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, years ago when I used to do door to door, when it was a bit of a thing, often you'd go to a, a door and you say, I would hear about church, and a guy would open, and he, his automatic reaction was, hey, oh, hi, hey, hold, hold on, I'll, I'll get a wife. Um, is, is faith, again, seen to be a female thing, or have you found otherwise? Um, I don't
1: know that I can answer that. Um our church is, is different from most mainstream churches in Scotland in that it simply would be probably 50-50 when it comes to male-female, which I know is very unusual. Um, I, I, I don't know why that is, um, other than like attracts like. Um, so we have some strong guys in our congregation who are intentionally working in the schemes, and obviously um, God blesses that, and we see um, guys uh, getting saved but i don't know um if it's classed as a female thing rather than a than a male thing tasha your thoughts
2: um like i do i feel like we're probably unique in the sense of um so i know a lot of churches struggle to reach guys and women seem to be easier to reach um probably because they're more likely to sit down and have a coffee but i do feel for us in nativity that we we do have a good opportunity to reach the men and I think it is what Shabba was saying that actually we have some really outgoing strong guys who are very intentional on our team and in our church congregation who um, reach out to people and are intentional like where they spend their time and they're quite imaginative in what they do um, to, to build up friendships with people.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear that. I mean, folk talk about the feminization of the church and, you know, in every, you would have a biblical view of gender. And, you know, there's male leadership, for example. Is that an issue in the scheme or are, are folk quite um, happy to fall in with that?
1: <laughs> it's no more difficult on the schemes than it would be in any other church in Scotland.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, um, so yes, we do have, so at Nidri we would have male elders, um, and male deacons. Um, we wouldn't have uh, females in those roles. Um, the issues that we come across um, is mostly because, um, so women from the schemes, um, that, a lot of the time, uh, some of the women that we spent time with have struggled with the men in their life, and so they view uh, male headship um, quite differently than the, the the reality of what it would look like from a biblical perspective.
2: Um, and I don't
1: think that's um, any different than any um, church in, in in the UK, to be fair. And I think many women uh, struggle with what it looks like to uh, to submit to. Uh, the leadership that's uh, in their the male leadership in their congregation. And I think there's lots of guys that struggle with what leadership looks like. Um, and sometimes uh, they, they lead well and sometimes they lead badly. Um, so I think that f- whether they're in a scheme or not, I think it's something that, that we struggle with. A lot of our women struggle with submission, um, they struggle with uh, understanding it from a biblical perspective as well as from a practical one. And so, one of the ways that uh, we we teach that is by showing it in, in the sense that we have really good elders who love us well, and mm-hmm. um, they lead us well. We have a, a voice that is not tokenistic, and we are not um, condescended or talked down to. We are an active, uh, um, dynamic within our church. But also, they our elders really appreciate us and give us. Um, not so much a, well, a lot of freedom is the right word, but they give they, they basically free us up and enable us to do uh, m- many ministries within our church. Um, and for that, we're very appreciative of. But also, I think that that then benefits our church because we have good, strong, uh, biblically astute um Women who are um, setting a really good titus two example of what it looks like to 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 work and serve and submit in that situation, and so I think that there's lots of ways that we work through those issues with women, um, inviting them to 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 um, into family houses to have meals to see what good headship looks like, and all those things. Um, but I don't think it's just an issue that we struggle with as a church and schemes. Um, I think it's a, a wider issue that we all struggle with, but yeah, they do struggle with it, and we do work through it as we would with anybody that was uh, being discipled within our congregation.
0: Okay, that's a great story. It's great, great to hear that. Um, what about I'm um, talking specifically? Uh, we'll talk about boys just now. You know, there's a book written recently. The subject was, you know, called the boy crisis. How are you finding things amongst the boys who are maybe growing up and there's, there's no, well, frankly, there's, there's absent fathers? What's um, the social and spiritual impact of that?
2: Um, so I think, um, again, we're probably very unique in Nidri. In so our youth groups, so our kids' club and youth groups are, are primarily made up of kids in our community. Um, And our youth group on a Friday afternoon attracts more teen boys than it does girls. So we have about 15 to 20 boys that come along um, pretty regularly um, every week. And, you know, I get on really well with them. They respond really well to me. But what we prayed for for a long time was good godly guys to come along because, like, they respond well to me because I'm a woman and that's what they're used to. Um, And what we seen was that they didn't respond as well to the guys and because for them you know most of the males in their life have been negative or um just been, you know they've been part of the authority um you know being authoritative figures um, and we prayed for a long time for a guy to come along and we and we did um you know the lord blessed that and we were sent a a trainee male youth worker who gets on really well with the boys but the biggest thing has been for them to see a godly man um, live out his life um, who came from a similar background to them you know he's had similar upbringing um, but what they see now is actually a guy in their life who genuinely cares about them um, who genuinely cares about the decisions they make for their life but most you know, most importantly cares about um you know what they're doing with their life and he has a you know just a great enthusiasm of sharing the gospel with them um, and they really have responded really well to that because um, for the first time in their life there for some of them not all of them they have a guy who is not just trying to tell them what to do it's not just you know um, want them on board for for whatever they can they can do for them um, but there's been a real and it's been nice for me to actually just watch that um just happen and um, because for for other guys that have came in, they haven't responded as well. Um, but it, there is such a, such a need for men to model godliness to these young guys. You know, when you ask them what they want to be when they're older, you know, the common answer is dealer or, you know, something something in the criminal world because that's what they see the guys in their life doing. Um, but then you sit down and you actually see, you know, what are your ambitions? And they see men able to live a life that is honouring to God um, without, you know, breaking the law or whatever. Um, And so it's just so, I think, so important that the men in the church live like the people and really uh, witness and example how life, how God intends men to live.
1: I think this is really
2: important
1: for, so I was going to say for the single mums as well. Um, there's a lot of single mums that come into our church, and um, they have little kids that are twos and threes, maybe fives. And um, the 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 truth is that they have there's just such a need uh, for the godly men in our in our congregations to step up in those um, situations just as well to show them what godly men uh, can look like and how they can be uh, loved well and safely. Um, example in, in Christ to them is even at a, at a very young age and so yeah I would say even for the mums that come into the into the church it's just as important that the guys step up and spend time with those kids as well as the kids that come into the
0: youth club one, one of the interesting things I find about Nidri, I mean I've, I've not attended there but you know I've listened to a lot of uh, sermons online, the sermons are really quite quite meaty. Um, you know, they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not upmarket children's stories. They're real theologically engaged, meaty sermons. Now, in the current evangelical culture, that is really counterintuitive. Um, can you, you talk about that a wee bit, how such robust preaching seems to go down so well in even an evangelical culture that's insisting and dumbing things down all the time?
1: Um, I mean, there's lots of things going on there. I mean, the, the reality, so in schemes, uh, there is this assumption, wrongly, that um, we, we can't handle meaty stuff because it would be too much for us. And the truth true is point. that um, it's not true. I mean, yep. many of the guys that we spend time with, they might not be academic, um, but they're, they're, they're seriously smart. And just because they don't know the big words doesn't mean that they can't understand uh the what the big word means, and yes. so we um, our elders are um i mean I'm very grateful for this, but our elders have never um shied away from the meaty stuff um they teach very con- um, contextually so they handle um the the deep theological truths but um land the plane in a in a way that we can understand. And So they don't dumb it down, they just explain it, which is um, and so our guys I mean, Tasha's been saved um, eight years now, and she could probably um, and she probably, yeah, she's theologically astute um, and can sustain any serious um discussion that would be out there, um, but yeah, she started um, not, not having any foundation at all, so we teach. Um, We teach the, we have a structure, um, a pathway of learning from uh, point zero to a seriously active, mature member of our congregation. Um, Our elders um, have, we have a a plethora of assigned reading that's not fluff, it's theologically um, solid and it's rigorous Um, It takes people from um, each stages and increments of uh, how we do that. And we do that through teaching. Uh, We've got a ragged school of theology. Uh, We have a robust and um, really well thought out discipleship. And so all of those things, um, as well as Bible studies, prepare us for um, hearing good sermons on a Sunday. I mean, our elders expect us not only to listen, but they they, they have an expectation that they want to see it apply to people's lives. Uh, and so they are they are hands on. They check afterwards. They get alongside people. They walk with the congregation. So yeah, I—they—they I, they don't. Our, our elders are, are very good at the way that they teach us. So they don't shy away from the big stuff, but they help us understand it and to grasp it. And for that, I'm—I'm I'm very grateful. Tasha, your thoughts?
2: Um, I suppose for me that it's all I'm used to in the sense of my experience of church because it's just always been done like that. Um, And I was saved and um, under that um, sort of preaching. Um, But I think it is helpful that, you know, they don't, they're not dumbing anything down or just saying things to um, sound nice because it's not, that's not what real life is. Um, And, you know, we can spot um, when someone's just, Trying to make something sound fluffy or nice, or you know, um, but I think people just appreciate honesty and rawness, um, and you know, even our kids above the age of seven sit in our sermons. Um, but it's like what Shabbat says: there's a a process after that of um, really going through what you've learned. Like I don't I don't understand the big words, um, but I I have someone, my one to one, who always asks me what I'm learning in the sermons. Um, and things like that, and we do it with our kids as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just...
0: A pleasant, yeah. yeah, I mean, really smart people don't, don't need to use big words. There's no yeah. need no. for that. And I think it's really respectful the way you folk uh, preach, uh, just showing the intellectual capacity of the people. <laughs> and, and, and you're right, there's some really smart folk there in schemes who are thinking, um, and reading and, and going through uh, big issues. I mean another thing I've noticed is you, you don't you know you don't shy clear of the big stuff like heaven and hell, no. uh, judgment. Um, that's how I suppose folk and schemes folk anywhere find the Bible interesting. Uh, again, are, are folk surprised when they're introduced to the Bible about the stories in the Bible that folk are just as yeah. screwed up in <laughs> there as they are anywhere.
1: I think um, so. I think there's an expectation on schemes that you, at some point, you, you'll be talking about the Bible. Um, they it's, it's easy in a sense that they still actually believe it's true. Um, a lot of the time in the beginning, what we're doing is um, teaching why the Bible's solid, but also unraveling some of the miscommunications and conspiracy theories that they've got going on. But in schemes, I think they're more surprised by how relevant the Bible is for today and their struggles. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I don't think that's a thing that's just limited to um, our guys. I think the, the truth is that when we become Christians, um, one of the things that totally marks us out is the fact that we um, want, read, want to read our Bible, but two, we actually see how God uses it to speak truth into our lives for whatever situation we're going through. So, our guys when I mean I love it when someone's reading one of the psalms and it gets super excited because it's it's as if God has written it for them um and so that that that's that's exciting um I don't know that they're surprised that um in the sense that the the, the Bible would speak uh, such truth I think they're more um. I think they're more surprised that, uh, surprise is not the right word, Um, it's more encouraged that God has has got everything sorted and that he's trustworthy, is more than a
2: surprise. Tasha? Yeah, I mean, I remember I had a conversation with my brother once when he was like, oh, I bet the Bible's just boring. Um, and so, you know, we spoke about that, and then he read two kings, and he phoned me straight away, and he was like, "This is like this is mad, like you know, it's, it's crazy." And and I think that's the thing. I think for people, you know, they read the Bible and realize that their struggle is not unique to them, that they, you know, pain is not unique to them, and grief is not unique to them. Um, but actually, you know, this has been happening since since sin entered the world. Um, and so, along with that, you then are able to point them to reads about the hope of Jesus, you know, and the fact that Jesus um, does, you know, he gets it and he understands and, um, you know, and it's just, there's something just very, there's just something very special when you watch someone who's never read a Bible and then pick it up and just be transformed by it.
0: Do you find that folk have perceptions of Jesus and the Bible that are just not true? If so, what, what do they think about Jesus? What do they think about Christianity?
2: Well, I mean, so before before I was saved, um, I I think I had some belief in Jesus purely from RE lessons at school. Um, but I didn't I didn't have a belief in God or anything like that. And when I thought of Christianity, I genuinely just thought it was for um good, rich old people, um, or people who You know, just had this. uh, You know, they were a wee bit strange. They were a wee bit weird. um, And until I actually met Christians, um, and that changed. But I think that's the. I think a lot of people have a belief in God. um, They believe in God, or or a God of some sort. um, But the difference comes when they are required to actually repent of their sin and genuinely turn away from their sin and give God control um, and, you know, have God as God of their life, not just a God that fits in the box in their head.
0: Was that your experience as well, Sharon?
1: Um, I think that um, people have a lot of misunderstanding about um, who God is. And a lot of the times times um, they're listening to um, what somebody else has told them or uh, what, um, they, what they think is true or what they've searched on the, the internet and find out. Um a lot of the history of um, the this, this scheme influences that so our scheme tends to be um, very supernatural the, um, the, the really there's a so we have two communities that intersect one's very Catholic
2: uh-huh. and
1: one, um, so we have a very Roman Catholic um, historic community but we also have um, a community that's quite um, involved in different forms of the occult and so both mm-hmm. um, intertwine um, and uh, play off each other, so it's not that they uh, they don't they don't believe that God um, exists. It's just that um, their God might be very different from the, the the biblical version of who God is, and some of that we have to unravel. Um, they think that because the spiritualist tells them um, something that is true, um, that it must be a good thing, and and again. Um, they have these misconceptions of, of what um of what the what the bible says is is God. And so for for us when we we're sitting down with people, I would never say this is what I believe. And I always say this is what the Bible has to say. Mm-hmm. Um because you for them you always have to go back to the people I spend time with you always have to go back to, to what is true. So yeah, they have all sorts of beliefs going on. Um some some of it has a glimmer of truth in it and some of it doesn't. They've um, guys that I've come across, um, I've, I've heard about God from their great Auntie Jeannie, who mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. told them some super, supernatural stuff um, that they learned when they were at school or did their first communion. So there's a lot of stuff going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, so, and everybody, it's very diverse to say this is what they believe because they all have their own version of what their truth sure. is.
0: Sure listen our time is running out literally my screen is telling me that this apparatus is going to close down very very shortly but thank you so much for giving me or giving sure. us this, uh, this time 20 uh, schemes.com if you are interested in knowing more about the work um Sharon Natasha thank you so much for giving me uh, time today um, and okay everybody in your ministry